Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Man, we made it! Five million downloads. We are celebrating like crazy today, like we never have before. But you guys have been unbelievable. And, you know, when we started this podcast just over three years ago, it was just an idea. It was the hope that it would help you lead like never before. But here we are. And man, 5 million downloads wildly exceeded uh, all my dreams. And uh, there's only one group to thank other than God. And that's you. Uh, You guys have done an unbelievable job in just getting the word out and sharing it and being so encouraging. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate. First of all, I got a great guest, Dave Ferguson from Exponential and the New Thing Network and Community Christian is my guest today. And we have a fascinating conversation about the future of church growth and how it's changing. And uh, this will push your thinking. You're going to love it. And even if you're a business leader, I think you're going to see some of the trends that Dave and I talk about showing up all over the place. Uh, well, well, well beyond the church. And um, secondly, we got our biggest giveaway ever, and it starts today. So to celebrate 5 million downloads, here's how you can win. All right. First of all, there is a bunch of little prizes. Every single day, we're going to be giving away Starbucks and or Dunkin' Donuts. And you can follow me on social, just on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. And you'll see some little gift cards pop up. And if you happen to be in line, well, you know the drill if you're a regular subscriber. We've done this before, but we are doing more than we ever have before. So, uh, you know, enjoy that uh, venti latte or, or whatever you got, or it certainly increases your odds of winning. We're doing that every day for a week. So from today, December 5th, until uh, next Monday, December 11th, you can get free Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts. We're going to throw a couple of Dunkin' Donut cards in the mix as well, just for those of you who don't live near a Starbucks. Uh, but that's not the grand prize. Do you know what the grand prize is? Uh, Some of you do because you heard it last week, but here you go. It is an extra large big green egg. That's right. Now, a lot of you know what that is. It is the simply, I think, the best barbecue slash smoker in the world. I've got one and it is a frequent subject of conversation. So many of you are like, dude, I want one so badly. Like, And, you know, they're a little bit expensive. So I get why not everybody has one. Well, we want to put an extra large, like, and that's the one I've got. I mean, you can feed a crew on that thing into your backyard, free of charge, as a way of saying thank you for making the podcast what it is. So one of you is going to win that. And with the Big Green Egg comes a site visit from me. I'm going to come hang out with you. I'm going to build into you as a leader for half a day. I'll build into your staff, to your team, to your volunteers, your board. We'll figure it out. But I'm going to come to your town and you're going to get an extra large big green egg. So how do you win? Well, what you can do is you've got to enter by going to my Facebook page. So just look me up at facebook.com slash cnewhoff. All the links to this are in the show notes at leadlikeneverbefore.com. Just search out episode 169 in the search window. You'll see it there in the blog section. But Or you can go direct, facebook.com slash cnewhoff, and you will see a video pinned to the top. All right, watch the video, and then I will tell you exactly how to enter. So just go to facebook.com slash cnewhoff to enter. That contest is open until next Monday at midnight, December 11th. And then on Tuesday, December 12th, we're going to pick a winner. 
So how fun is that? I mean, I'm, I'm so excited for this giveaway and I really, really hope you win. Also really want to thank all the partners that have stood alongside this podcast. Man, there's been so many of you and you guys have made it amazing. And this month, uh, one of our partners, Ministry Grid, has got something really cool for you, a free training on first-time guests. And you can get that until December 31st. Last year, over 400,000 other leaders found training for their team on Ministry Grid. You can go to lifeway.com slash ministry grid to get started. Uh, this is a great way for you to train volunteers, teachers, other leaders, and you can use this as a pathway to equip all individuals inside your church. It's fully customizable, mobile friendly, and make sure you check it out at lifeway.com slash ministry grid. By December 31st, you will get first time guest training free if you do that right away. Well, I'll tell you, this is uh, maybe my favorite episode ever because we're going to make a lot of you winners this week uh, through free Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, and then one of you, the grand prize, Big Green Egg, and I'll come to your town, hang out with you. How does that sound? So uh, head on over to Facebook, make sure you register while there is still time. And in the meantime, here is my, I think, fascinating conversation with Dave Ferguson. Well, Dave, welcome to the podcast. I'm so, so glad to have you. Hey, thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me very much. I've been looking forward to it. Well, a lot of leaders know you. I mean, I think everybody, a lot of people involved in church world know who you are and, and you and your brother, John, and the great job that you've done in Chicago and really around the world. Um, but for those who may be new um, to your ministry, give us a little thumbnail of what you're doing in Chicago or Naperville, to be honest, and, and uh, elsewhere as well. Um, I kind of... I think kind of in three categories. Um, I'm, a, I'm a lead pastor at Community Christian Church, and um, we have uh, 10 locations currently. Um, two of them are in the city. The other nine are, well, actually, because we got to have 11. So we have the 11th one starts in January. So two are in the city. The other nine are in the suburbs. Wow. And uh, our mission is to help people find their way back to God. And we could talk about that. But that's the one thing that genuinely gets me out of bed every morning. Mm. Um, that's, I love, 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 just love that. Um, the second hat is I get to be the visionary for a new thing. Uh, we're a catalyst for church multiplication movement and God is blessing that in some ridiculous ways. We have our sights set on and our prayers asking God for 10,000 reproducing churches. And, um, I, it sounds crazy, but I think we're actually going to pull it off and by really, God's, by God's grace. Yeah, it's, uh, we can talk about that. But yeah, we will. The third part is exponential. I love that. I partner with Todd Wilson on that, and I'm the president of that, and we have a, what we call a 4 to 10 mission. Uh, 4% of all churches in North America are reproducing and multiplying, and how do we get that to 10%? That, we feel like that would change the spiritual landscape in North America. So, so only 4% of churches in North America are reproducing churches? Oh, yeah. Okay, tell, yeah. Tell, tell us what you mean by that term, reproducing churches. Well... When we did the research um, at Exponential, we kind of broke churches into five different categories. And uh, we call them level one, level two, level three, four, and five. A level one churches are churches in decline. Level two churches are churches that are growing. Um, or I'm sorry, level two churches are plateaued. Right. Level, level three churches are churches that are growing. Then level four are reproducing. And then we call level five multiplying. And when we started doing the homework on it, what we found is that about 80% in North America are in level one and two, either in decline or plateau. Then you got growing at about 16%. And then these level four reproducing churches is about 4%. 
And kind of the dirty little secret on that is only about half of them did it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? But how, how do you? Well, uh, I mean, oh. some of them, yeah, intentionally started another site. We intentionally planted a church. Or, but the, but about half of them, well, is actually a church split is what actually ah, happened. Ah, so they got there under different terms. Yeah, so, oh, you know, we should call that a plant. Good idea. <laughs> and, and, then, and then you have level five, which are these rapidly multiplying churches. And we have just a, less than a handful of examples in the North American context of those. Give us an example of a rapidly multiplying church. And how is that different from a reproducing church, Dave? When we talk about a reproducing church, that'd be any church that's ever planted a site or planted a new, 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 uh, new church. Right. That'd be any church. If you, if you did it once or twice, you're a reproducing church. Mult, uh, what are we talking about? We talk about a multiplying church. We're really looking at a church that's kind of like multiple generations with its sites set on how do we get to four generations of multiplication? Kind of a Second Timothy 2 2 kind of multiplication. So and, the churches you planted are planting churches, are, and your campuses are having campuses, that, that kind of thing? Exactly. That's exactly ah, right. Ah, gotcha. We've got a good friend, Jeff Henderson, who just announced recently at Gwinnett Church, and this is new for North Point, but Gwinnett is going to have its own baby, going to have its own second campus. So a campus of North Point having its own campus, which is great. We're starting to see that in our network. That is outstanding. And that's, that's the thing we're, we're really, yeah, that's the thing we're working towards. So when we talk about the four to 10 mission at, at Exponential, it's going, okay, if only 4% are reproducing or multiplying, how do we get that number to 10%? Because we can get 10% of churches doing that. Yeah. That feels like that's a tipping point that will create movement. And we want movement because movement is how you accomplish the mission of Jesus. Isn't that, and you may not know this off, offhand because I don't know the exact quote, but like Tim Keller is somebody who's really influenced me. But he talks about uh, the, num- the percentage of uh, church attending people in Manhattan. Right. And I think when he and Kathy started Redeemer back in the late 80s, it was something like 1% or 2%. And it's grown to three or four um, over the last few decades. And he's like, I don't know what the number is, but he says, if we get to five or six, like that changes a city. Um, is that kind of thinking? Tell, tell me what's involved in that kind of like four to 10, you would go like, well, why don't we make it 80%? Of course, in a perfect yeah. world, you make it 80. But w- w- why is that a tipping point? No, I, I remember a similar late night conversation after we had Keller speak at an exponential conference, and he conveyed exactly that. And and what it is, he's he's kind of taken the social science that Malcolm Gladwell made possible. Right. He said, you know, if you look at the innovation curve, if your if your listeners are familiar with the innovation curve, there's a certain point, and usually it's anywhere depending on who you talk to. Anywhere it can be as low as six, seven, eight percent up to seventeen percent, but somewhere there's a tipping point where the few have so much influence, it actually influences the whole. Right. And that's what we're talking about here. We, we kind of feel like if we could get, um, you know, 10% of, of church leaders thinking in terms of multiplication and not just growing. Growing is good, but it's not great. So right. that's what, how do we get them to think about not just growing, but also sending and multiplying? That's when you get movement. And when you get movement, you accomplish the mission. Hmm. Tell me why you decided to plant a church. Give us the story of Community Christian, just in a nutshell, because, you know, there's a lot of leaders listening. We have probably 40,000, 50,000 leaders listening right now. Some of them are thinking of planting a church. Some of them are thinking, I got to leave staff, and next year I'm going to get out there and start my own thing. And then others are trying to turn around churches. They're, they're trying to transition something. So how did you make the decision to plant? I think for me, uh, it started probably, it was probably somewhere around the semester, oh, at the end of the first semester of my freshman year in college. Um, I had at that time 
you know, all the 18 year old aspirations of uh, being an attorney and maybe going to politics. And I don't, you know, you're, you're, yeah, yeah. you're you know how it is. Speaking and, to a former lawyer. Yeah. There, yeah. there you go. <laughs> Um, but somewhere in there, and this is a little bit grandiose, but when you're 18 or 19, you think grandiose. I remember I had started wrestling with the question of what are you going to trade your life for? What are you going to trade your life for? And, and I don't know how, but I mean, I began to think, you know what, I'm going to do this either all at once, kind of like a martyr does. I'll do it over the course of the next 75, 80 years. And the more I thought about it, I didn't have the same words, but the term that I use now is what I wanted, what I really want to trade my life for was to help people find their way back to God. Mm. If I could do that, that would be, I mean, that would be a life well lived. That would be worth it. Mm. And now I kind of got stuck though, because my, my dad was a pastor and a church planner. And of course, growing up in that, it was actually a very, very positive experience growing up in that home and that church. But I, I really resented the fact that everybody thought I should be or assumed I'd be a pastor. Right. So now all of a sudden I'm starting, okay, well, how do you help people find their way back to God? What's the best way to do that? <laughs> and they end up backing into going like, well, I think it's through a church. But then as I began to play with that, I was like, well, you know, the best way to do it is actually through new churches. And since then we know that brand new churches, the covenant denomination did the homework on this one. The covenant, uh, they said that I think it was brand new churches will actually see three to four times as many conversions as do churches of 10 years of age or older. On average. Mm. And um, I didn't have access to that information, but just kind of intuitively going like, you know, I think part of it also, I didn't think an existing church would really tolerate me, at least the, yeah. you know, the 20 year old person. <laughs> right. Come in there with some dynamite, blow, blow things apart. And oh, next yeah. thing you know, you're looking for work, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Way too arrogant. Um, so I said, you know, I'm going to plant a church. And then it, then it became just like a, a, like a scale I'm going like, well, I don't want to just plant a church. That's going to help people find their way back to God. Mm. I want to plant a church that's going to plant churches, going to plant churches. And so um, when I was, uh, I was 25, my brother John was 23, or a few other friends from college, we, you know, we got together and uh, moved back to Chicago and planted this church. Isn't that cool? You know, it's, I, I want to hang on to that idea of new churches spawn growth. I was having breakfast recently with a mutual friend, Warren Bird. And I remember we were just kind of puzzling through this whole idea of church growth and impact in a community. And I'm pretty sure I'm not quoting him out of context, but he said, basically, the growing churches are new churches, period. That over, over time, if you really want to bring health to a community, you need to put new churches in there or existing churches that are doing new campuses any thoughts on that? Is that is that what you see as well? For and listen, I'm somebody who transitioned to church into health, so I mean, I get it. This is not like, oh no, all existing churches are dying churches, but that's not true. But what's your take on that? Oh, I think he's absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, and and if anybody knows the research, you know, in our context is Warren Bird. Yeah, uh, yeah. Who yeah. I mean, I, we just we just did our book Hero Maker together, but I mean, I think churches are living organisms. And I think this is where a lot of us make mistakes. I think sometimes we think about longevity instead of legacy. Mm. And I think if we thought in terms of legacy, then we would start going like, oh, well, the best way to leave a legacy. And we know this now as parents, right? right? That I'm not going to live forever, but the best thing I could do is invest in my kids and then maybe eventually grandkids. And, and somehow, and the family, the family metaphor is all throughout scripture, but somehow we've forgotten that. That the best thing we can do is invest in other people and invest in other people and other new churches and let them ex continue to extend the community instead of saying, oh, how long can we hang on? 
Dave, when you said that, man, I've never heard it phrased that way, but longevity versus legacy. So many light bulbs went on at once because I think in the context of a lot of established churches, there is this idea of leg of, of longevity that, hey, we have to keep this thing going. Um, you know, how do you know? I know this wasn't in our notes, but I'm just curious because yeah. we're we're there right now. But how do you know it's time just to shut the doors, turn off the lights, and start over again? You know, somewhere else down the road or whatever. Like if you haven't been growing for a decade, I mean, I went into stuck churches that were stuck for 40 years, literally since 1957. They hadn't seen growth. I came in 1997. It was like, you know, they were, they were on life support and God did an incredible thing. We started growing. And then 10 years later, I started over again and launched Connexus Church out of uh, some of the, the beginning of that. But you know, so there are outliers, there are exceptions, but I think the vast majority are stuck. So how do you know for listeners who are maybe, you know, young, they're idealistic, they could have planted a church, they're in an existing church, but I get email like this all the time. It's like, this is just hard. I mean, it's like tr- not even trying to turn the Titanic. The Titanic is at the bottom of the ocean and we're trying to turn it, you know, right. like what, how, how do you know when to call it quits? Uh, I mean, I think that, I, I mean, first of all, leadership is going to be hard. So just because it's yeah. hard doesn't mean you call, you're calling it quits. And I'm going to, I think I want to make a distinction too. I don't think you're, and see, this is probably where we do it a dis, disservice by saying we're calling it quits. Let me, let me tell you a story. Maybe that'll yeah. help your listeners. And I don't think I've told this story yet. And I'm, I'm really grateful for this opportunity. There's a church in, so we planted our first location in Naperville, a West suburb. Mm-hmm. And uh, the very first church to open their arms to us was, uh, um, a, a smaller church. It was probably, probably a couple hundred folks, um, Naperville Christian Church. And they let us have office space there. They let us do our Wednesday night meetings there. They let us baptize people there, all kinds of stuff. Where other churches might have been threatened, they were like, no, sure. come on in. So fast forward 25 plus years later, I get a call from their elders. I say, hey, could you come over here? We're really wrestling with stuff. Okay, arrogantly, I assume they're going like, okay, they're going to try to figure out how they're going to hang on, how they're going to survive, mm-hmm. how they're going to keep, you know, and so I'm planning my talk for, with them stuff. But I get in there, and honestly, the, the room is full of uh, mostly older white guys who are in their 60s, 70s, maybe pushing 80. And, you know, we have the stereotype of what, what they're trying, uh, they're trying to hold on to this thing. And they went around the table one at a time, and I was just stunned. And they, the first guy said, you know what, I feel like we're supposed to be doing more. I look, I read the Bible, and I see, I see mission, I see movement, I see multiplication, and we're just not doing it. I went to the next guy, and he said that similar kind of thing. Went to the third guy, and he said, you know, my home church, he talked about his church in Ohio. We got this big old building, and there's been 20 people sitting in that for the last 40 years. And then finally, they got, went all the way around the table, and they just said, what we want to do is we, we think it's time for us. And, and they were self-sustaining. Hmm. So what, it wasn't like they had run on it. They, they, they were barely making it. It was small. But they didn't see a future, a future generation. And they knew that they had a lot of property value there. They said, we've decided we want to sell the building, and we want to put all the money into church planning because we think what you're doing and what some other organizations that split it between a couple different organizations, what we think that you do, that's our best chance for making a kingdom impact. And it's like they, they intentionally, I mean, you talk, you talk about dying to yourself. Yeah. I, I was just, I was, I mean, I was, I was like moved to tears. I was going like, I'm not sure I'd ever seen anything so courageous that's as them intentionally. It is intentionally. I mean, it was how, how much more Christ-like can you be? It's like they, they took their church, okay, their home church, put it up on the cross and said, no, we're, we're going to die for the kingdom. I was, I was, and I, and I did, maybe this was part of God's 
foreordained plan. Cause I told him, I said, if I get an opportunity, I want to share this story with other people mm. and other churches. Um, and not that every church needs to close, but there comes a place where if you realize you're just hanging on yeah. and you realize you're, you're really not making a kingdom impact and there's a better way for you to make a kingdom impact. Don't think longevity, think legacy. And that's exactly what they did. And I'll tell you what, my hat's off to them. I'm so glad you shared that story. And, you know, people will have to figure out whether that's them or not. Um, but I love where that's going, too, because it's not to prop up a pension fund or some denominational bureaucracy. It's like, you know, we're going to get $2 million for this property or whatever. We're going to throw $2 million into church planting and we're going to give it to the next generation. That's a, you know, I'm so grateful for that paradigm, longevity versus legacy. I think that that is incredibly clarifying, Dave. Thank you for that. That's, yeah. uh, that's so good. Um, so you started as an idealistic 20-something planning a church, and uh, now you're at 11 locations, and uh, you got the New Thing Network. I mean, you've got thousands of people who attend over those locations every weekend. How have you scaled your leadership personally as the church has grown? I, I, I think one of the things, I've, I've been very fortunate, very blessed, maybe is a better word, to work alongside um, and, uh, and or develop some really, really good leaders. Uh, and when you have really good people that are responsible for things, that allows you to scale and expand your leadership. So like a community, John and I, my brother and I, I can't say I developed him. John is just a super, you know, he, in fact, he would, he would demand a rebuttal and have to be on your podcast. And, and, um, and say, no, I developed Dave. That's what he'd say, right? <laughs> that's exactly right. And that may be, that may be exactly true. <laughs> but I mean, he is super capable. And so we really do the, this whole uh, church and community together. And, right. um, and then, but in the new thing, um, there's a, there's a, I don't know if you know Patrick O'Connell. Patrick's our global director for New Thing. I don't yet. Uh, no. Eleven years ago, he'd be fun to have on your show. Eleven years ago, he was not a believer. Uh, became <sighs> a Christ follower at Community. The moment he comes up out of the baptistry, his small group leader, he's still sopping wet. Just because he said yes to Jesus publicly, he's still wet. And his small group leader says to him, "Hey, Patrick, I see in you. I think you could be a great leader. I want you to be my apprentice." He goes through the whole leadership path, goes to Kansas City, plants a church. He goes to multi-site, starts planting other churches, and his new thing continued to grow. He eventually came back to Chicago, and here it is. Now he's, he's our global leader, but super bright guy that was in wealth management, gets leadership development. So, I mean, that, that allow, I mean that, that's awesome. And Exponential, of course, you know Todd Wilson. Oh, I mean, yeah. Todd, Todd's one of the smartest guys on the planet, for Pete's sake. He is. He is. We're doing an episode next year on lessons from the nuclear Navy, and Part of it is, I just, when Todd and I have talked about it, I'm like, that's just the most fascinating unknown thing I've ever heard. So I'm just going to sit there and take notes while he talks about the nuclear Navy for 45 minutes or an hour. It's like, he's brilliant, man. Oh, yeah. And a lot of the things we've done with, with Exponential, a lot of the leadership principles he learned came from his experience in, in the Navy. Mm -hmm. um, so if you think for me, community, new thing, Exponential, I got some great people and I kind of have a mindset to that. I mean, if someone else is worried about it, then I don't have to be. So you find it fairly easy naturally to let go? Um, yeah. And, and, and some, but you have to be careful. And sometimes I think it's got me in a little bit of trouble. So I'll let go too much. So yeah, that's, that, that's not really a problem. I, I sleep pretty well almost every night. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And that is one of the keys, right? Empowered leaders and, oh, and so on. Yeah. What are some um, personal rhythms, habits, and disciplines that um, are working for you right now? Because, you know, as we talk about often on this show and in the High Impact Leader, 
course, everybody only gets 168 hours a week. You know, you get 24 hours in a day and we all have to lead. So you're leading a large multi-site church. You're leading a reproducing network and you're president of Exponential, one of the biggest church planting uh, events, conferences, movements around, period. So, but you're doing all of that within 24 hours a day. So what what works for you? What what doesn't? We're just talking, actually, we're recording this on a Monday. I said, how many times did you preach yesterday? You said you preached three times. And I was saying, well, what do you do like Mondays then? Because I preached twice yesterday and then preached this morning on a video record for a future message. And so I'm like, you know, I hope I don't fall asleep in the middle of this interview because like, I'm like, <laughs> whoa, you know, but we all have that, right? Yeah, Monday hangover and that kind of thing. So walk us through some rhythms and, and some things that are really working for you right now. Um, one, of, one of the best things that, that's really helped me is um, it's a simple discipline I do that anybody can do probably, oh man, if you just take five minutes every day, you could do it. Let me, I'll tell you what, hang on, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to grab my journal. Are you yeah, there? yeah, okay, great, right. great. We'll be right back after this journal message while Dave grabs his journal. Here he is. He's back. Earbuds going back in. All right. And I got my journal here. And you got your journal. Okay. So it's so, an actual journal. It's yeah, an actual so journal what, journal. And I'll, I'll kind of, because I know everybody else is listening, but me and you are actually on video, so we can see I each can other. see you, but so, uh, they can hear you. That's right. So one of the things I do every day is um, I do something called RPMS. Okay. And, Just and lift it up a bit. So I can yeah. see. Maybe maybe we'll uh, actually load this up on Dropbox so you can see how fancy the Kerry Newhoff Leadership Podcast really is. Oh, um, so fancy! Mm-hmm. Wow, <laughs> that looks R six point five P. Okay, so is that a rating system? What is that? Yeah. Okay. This is, so this is a little bit over the top for some people, uh-huh. but basically RPMS. Um, I kind of take it from where it, talk, it talks about Jesus grew in favor with God and yeah. man, and you know, wisdom and stature. And so the R stands for relational, P stands for physical, M stands for mental, and S stands for spiritual. Oh, so you're giving yourself a grade in every one of those four areas? And so on a scale of 1 to 10, I give myself a rating on how I'm doing. And it's not, it's not really so much what the score is. I think right. is that you pause every day to go, okay, how am I doing relationally? with My most important relation, my wife, my kids, yeah. the, my friends, my small group. How am I doing physically? Because I see the physical, you see it's like way low. That's because I was in Manchester all last week, UK. And I <laughs> so you're I tired. You're just exhausted. And, and I also, I didn't, I didn't work out. I didn't run because I was doing this whole conference thing. So it's just, it's kind of acknowledging it. Because what happens, I think, as leaders, if we're not careful, we drift. Mm-hmm. We drift and all of a sudden it's been weeks or months since we worked out. You know, and all of a sudden we put on 25 pounds. You're going like, what the heck happened? Exactly. And, at least, and for me, this is a way of, if I, if I'm drifting, I'm at least acknowledging every day. <laughs> yeah. And the mental and the M stands for mental and then S stands for spiritual. Then I kind of give myself a composite score for, for the whole thing. So you're in the middle right now. And and unlike me, you you don't grade yourself too highly. Like that seems to be fairly realistic. Well, that's here's the here's the truth. The truth is on strength finders, I'm actually have high on positivity. So mine will creep up and it'll be like eights and nines. And yeah. so then what I do is I scrap the whole thing and start over at five. So I just recently <laughs> started at fives. That's what I would do. I would give myself too high a grade and then my wife would go, oh, no, you're really a three. You know, yeah. come on. You're not a nine. You're a three. Uh- <laughs> exactly. Wow. I think we must be married to similar ladies. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Um, so either we'll link to the video or we'll get a screenshot of this and, and show you what that looks like. Sure. But that's 
Uh, I mean, that's something that I do first thing in my journal. Um, I, I'd like to say every day because I don't always get to it, but the intention is every day. And that has really been helpful, at least this season of my life, of going, okay, how do I continue to be more intentional about growing in every one of these yeah. domains in my the, life? The drifting is so important because this past summer, I biked 2,100 kilometers, even with all my travel and everything, uh, which is not bad. That's about 1,200, 1,300 miles, whatever the conversion is. I always yeah. like to say that's about 17,000 miles, Americans, because they go, oh, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> um, but... You know, I said to Tony, my wife, this morning, it's been three weeks since I really worked out. I brought all my gear on the conference circuit the last time I was out. And like, it was just morning till midnight kind of thing. And uh, then it started snowing here. So I got to throw my bike on the trainer today or tomorrow and just start over again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the reason this is so important, and I'm preaching to the choir here, but as a leader, you will reproduce who you are. Yes. And so if I don't do these things and if I'm not intentional with these things, I think pretty soon are showing up in the other people around me too. No, yeah. you're totally right. I think we think as leaders that we're going to reproduce who we want to be, but you actually reproduce who you are. Oh, yes, absolutely. absolutely. I'm going to reproduce the idealized version of myself. No, you reproduce who you really are. So fascinating. I heard one guy put it this way. If we're like culture creators, okay, as leaders – you will get the culture you deserve. <laughs> and I, and oh, what, there's a lot of leaders right now looking at their church going, I'm getting the, I'm getting the culture I deserve. Oh, yeah, that's, a, that's an oh crap moment. Yeah, that is an oh crap moment. <laughs> and that's true for anything. If you lead a church, we have a lot of business leaders listening in their organization. You know, if you don't like your department and you're leading it, well, guess what? Look in the mirror. Right. Um, thanks for sharing that. That's really, really good. So you've scaled your leadership. Um, how has multi-site, because multi-site is part of your strategy, also a lot of the churches in the New Thing Network. Uh, I'm sure some, not everyone starts as a multi-site church, but I'm sure you're seeing a lot of them move to multi-site churches. Uh, multi-site is definitely changing over mm -hmm. the years. How have you seen it evolve over the last decade, Dave? Oh, if we go back to the last decade, let's go back even a little further. Yeah, I think sure. go back 15 years ago. We were fortunate enough to be kind of one of the early ones in on this and got a lot of help from Leadership Network, who is, yeah. oh man, so helpful to us. And they, in fact, the first real kind of, you wouldn't even call it conference, but it was kind of the convening of multi site churches happened at one of our locations <laughs> through Leadership Network. It actually was on 9 11. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, you had. If you think about some of the pioneers in multi-site, I mean, Life Church was there, Sea Coast was there, North Coast was there, North Point was there, uh, Willow was there, we were there. I mean, you go on and on. So there was, there was about 12 or so churches, um, and we continued to meet. But at that point in time, they said there were only about 100 multi-site churches across the country. Wow. And um, I think our buddy, again, Warren Bird, I think Warren now would tell us there's more than 8,000 uh, multi-site churches. And I, I, I think some of the stuff that's happened is I think – the older expression of multi-site was really more of an expression of how to, how am I going to grow my church? Yeah. Or is it, is it a fact that your church was growing and you need to accommodate it? Was yes. that it? Okay. I think, I think it was, I think it was that. Yeah. I think that was, yeah. I think you're exactly So in other right. words, cause it was almost all large influential, rapidly growing churches who are like, we cannot build enough real estate to keep up with this. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I, but I think there's a shift that's starting to happen where I think, more and more churches are also now seeing it as a path, not just for growing, but a path to um, multiplication or even movement making. 
Right. So like we talked about the different levels. I think some churches are now saying, okay, this isn't just a path to growing level three. This is a, this is a path to reproducing or multiplying level four and level five. And what, what is beginning to happen, and we're coaching a lot of these churches, is they're actually now saying, well, you know what, we're going to do, we're going to create two different paths. We're going to allow, uh, we're going to develop leaders who are going to start brand new locations or brand new sites, but we're also going to develop leaders who are going to start brand new churches. And so they have like two leadership paths. And um, one, one of the things I think I'm most excited about too, is for those churches that are saying this is a path to multiplication, there's a whole bunch of these. You think about 8,000. Okay, multi-site churches. There's a whole bunch of people, probably just like me and you, who have started or are leading a church. They've grown at large. Then they said, then they went to multi-site, and there's a whole bunch of them because I I talk to them all the time that are saying, "All right, now what do I do?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and one of the things we're doing a new thing is we're answering that question for them. And what you do next is you start a network. Mm-hmm. And we have a process through a new thing called this is the you know you're a good marketer. This is the world's worst marketing term. We call it LARN. LARN? L-A-R-N? Yeah, it stands for Leading a Reproducing Network. Oh, that's all right. Well, despite how bad it's marketed, because we call it LARN. LARN. We've had, uh, just in the last couple of years, like 30 churches, large multi-site churches go through it that are launching their own networks. Isn't that um, interesting? Because that's what we're doing at Connexus. We're launching a new location in January. And then we're also bringing between five and 10 of our own partners on um, coast to coast across Canada. So isn't that interesting? Right now it's well, just in Canada. I mean, we'll see where it goes long term, but fascinating. Well, I'll tell you what, here's, here's the next thing me and you should work on. Are you ready? What's that? I'm ready, Dave. Okay. I think there's a whole bunch of people just like me and you that are trying to figure out how do I lead a church and how do I at the same time lead a network? Oh, I know. We're having that conversation like literally last Thursday. So, so most of us, you know, you asked the question about scaling yourself. Most of us can lead one thing, but, and it's kind of, I hope I can use this term. Okay. It's a Bible term. It's like an apostolic kind of leadership. Yeah. And I, and I see all kinds of people. Um, I'm thinking of like a Dave Clayton at Ethos Church in Nashville. I don't know if you know him or not. Mm-mm. Who? It's a, it's a multi-site church, all college students, but now he's doing stuff globally and he's trying to figure this out. Or because I was just in Europe, there's a brilliant leader in Bergen, Norway named Oisin Jurme, who's a new thing. And he leads this church called Salt. They have six locations in Bergen, but now they're starting to do stuff all across Norway. They're looking for 400 churches across Norway and then across Europe. Wow. Uh, I mean, I can kind of go around the globe, but I'm telling you, there's a ton of people, both in North America and around the world, that are wrestling with how do I, and they want to stay grounded in the local church because that gives them authority when they're talking to other church planners because they're still in the game. Yeah. But they feel a calling to kind of keep this thing going beyond themselves. So, is that, I'm going to ask a question that probably feels a little bit dated, but I know there's a lot of mainline people who listen as well as non-denominational people who listen. And I have roots in, in the mainline church. So yeah. is this the future of denominationalism, do you think? Networks? Um, or is this what denominations originally were hundreds of years ago? Just networks of like-minded people? Yeah. I mean, you, th- you think yeah. about what, Wes- what Wesley did. Yeah, I know. I- I mean, I, I mean, I think there's some expressions, gosh, I don't want to get in trouble, but I think there's probably some expressions of Methodism that he probably didn't exactly have in mind. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Okay. And the right. last thing Calvin had in mind, or John Knox, was we're going to start a denomination. You know, they, they weren't out to like, we're going to do this thing that's going to be entrenched for centuries. And, you know, they, they, it's just like I've said that often about North Point, because we've been in for a decade now with North Point. 
And I mean, at the beginning, it was six of us sitting around in a cabin with Andy, you know, for, uh, and that was a lead pastor retreat. Now it's much more complex than that. But, you know, as it started to grow, I, I always thought, hey, this is, this must be what denominations were like 400 years ago, 500 years ago, because our churches look the same, feel the same, um, and have a similar heartbeat. Right. And, and say, to bring our conversation full circle, probably the problem with some of our denominations, like some of our old, old churches, is they're focused on longevity. How do we hang on <laughs> instead of legacy? Yep. Yeah. And legacy is tied to mission, not the institution. Absolutely. That you is. know, how do we hang on is tied to the institution. Legacy is tied to the mission. Uh, I knew I loved you. You need a book. You need a book on that, man. I know you're releasing Hero Maker, but like get, get your pen out when we're done. You need to write okay. that. All right. That's really, really good because I think that's that's incredibly clarifying. So you got these networks now because doesn't Church of the Highlands have one? Life Church is expanding. North Point has added. I was on the phone with North Point a couple days ago. I think Lane Jones said they're up to 80 network churches now. And I mean, it's just, it's an exploding trend. Totally. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things I hope and, you know, that, that some of those networks you just named, what they'll do is they'll also, and this is what we're trying to do through New Thing, is how do you equip other people to start their own network? Right. Because again, again, this is where we get screwed up. Right. It's we not just con- make my network giant, right? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So yeah. say more, say more. Because that's the thing. I think when we when we cease to be open handed with it, that's and we close our and we cl- can come close fist about. It, that's when the kingdom starts to starts to die. Yeah. And so one of the things we're trying to do with new thing is we're saying, hey, anybody wants to start a network, we will help you. We will help you. We want to help you for the kingdom's sake. If you want to be a part of a new thing, awesome. If you want to do your own thing, because I remember being twenty five and thought I knew everything in the whole world and I wanted <laughs> to do my own thing. You know what? God uses that anyway. He does. So, he really does. I know. So God bless you. Go get them. Yeah, I know. We were talking about, and it's funny how age changes you too, because I'm still the principal communicator at Conexus Church. And, you know, Jeff Brody and I were talking about our network terms. And I was just asking like, hey, are they going to use video or how does that work? And he's like, well, we've got to determine that. He says, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't care. I used to care. I don't care whether no churches show. Well, I guess eventually I wouldn't preach messages if nobody showed my messages, but, you know, save me some time. It's like, well, I don't have to do that today. But, um, you know, I used to care more. I just don't care anymore. It's like just build great churches. Yeah. Ah, interesting. So you're using your network to help people spawn other networks. What in your mind is the advantage? So let's say there's somebody in a mainline denomination or a totally independent or loosely affiliated denomination, young leader, Who's there? Like, and this is what I hear from them all the time. My denomination, my association's not giving me anything that's helpful. I feel like I'm more connected to people outside our tradition than inside our tradition. What advantage does a looser network give you? Because that's what networks tend to be. They tend to be a looser affiliation, not a super tight controlling affiliation. Yeah, I, I think it gives you the opportunity to align around mission. Yeah, yeah, and and. And that's what I'm seeing over and over again, that there's groups of leaders, even like in like regionally, like we um, a great example with a new thing. Uh, there's a couple of young guys, James Griffin and Jason Gerds in Atlanta, and they basically got together um, and they, they were larger churches that just started to go multi-site and they got together uh, a dozen of kind of their buddies in Atlanta who are going like, you know what? We, and they weren't all the same tribe saying, you know, what? we can do more together. And they're in the process of planting 50 churches over the next five years in Atlanta. Wow. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. We got, a, we got two networks in New Thing in Kansas City. 
and my buddy Troy McMahon's out there, and Troy is the most open-handed, generous leader. He totally gets it. I mean, they're a 10-year-old church. Are they 10, 8 years old? I think 8 years old. And they've helped plant like 40-some churches. Um, but they got their sights set on it. these two networks. How do we start 100 churches? And they're even, even this week I was talking, they're going like, I wonder if there's a way that, you know, in the next 25 years we could do 1,000. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think being able to align around mission as long as Jesus is Lord, right, um, and kind of setting aside some of your theological differences, um, I think everybody realizes, hey, we're better together than we are on our own. Okay, so network is a big change in multi-site over the last uh, decade, 20 years. Another one, we sort of went there, and just if there's anything left on that that thought trail, I'd love you to share it. This idea that at the beginning, it was churches that were growing like crazy, they were doing this as a response to their growth, and like, we just can't build fast enough, so we'll just launch new locations. Um, has that changed at all? Is that different than it was? I don't know if it's I, I don't know if it's changed, but there is a, there is there, there's one that is kind of an expression of multi that's reactive, and so yeah, you get more than eighty percent of people eighty percent capacity in your auditorium. We got to do something. We can add a service. No, let's add a site. So it's more mm. reactive. Um, but What's I think your view a, on that? Because I've I've had different guests who have had different opinions. Most of them are not flattering of that view. Like, well, we're at eighty percent. We'll launch a new site, or is that like a new way of just growing? Well, I think that's an old way of just growing, and growing's good. Hmm. It's just not the end game. Sending's the end game. Right. And so, so for me, I'd rather, rather than being just reactive, and, and if God sends you so many people, you have to react. Awesome. But I think you, so you, it's good to be reactive, but it's even better to always be proactive. So what you're always looking for is you're looking for leaders that you're developing to send them out. Because you, you know this, you send out the right leader, they're going to find the people, they're going to find the money. Right. Don't make it happen. So it's, so it's not about size. To me, and this applies to small groups, medium-sized groups, large groups, churches. It's not about size. It's about leader readiness. When I have a leader that I'm apprenticing, boy, when they're ready, I send them out. Yep. How do you do that? Because I get that question all the time about developing a leadership pipeline. And, you know, people are like, we just don't have enough leaders. We don't have enough leaders for our regular ministry. So do you have a formal process for developing those leaders for your 12th, 13th, 14th location? And um, you know, for sending them different places that'll never be a community Christian um, location. How how have you done that? Because obviously you've done it well. Well, I mean, uh, I I think in some ways the in the in our book with that uh, that Warren and I are working on called Hero Maker, mm-hmm. which is also going to be the theme for our uh, 2018 Exponential Conference. Um, in there, we outline what we call the five practices or five essential practices of leaders that multiply leaders. Right. And in there, what we do is we kind of give each of these practices and these are very scalable. So if you're a small group leader leading this, you can do these five practices and you'll multiply leaders and multiply leaders. You could also be a senior pastor in a church of 10,000 people. And if you do these practices, you will multiply leaders and multiply leaders. And each of the practices have a tool that go along, a very simple tool that goes along with them. Can you thumbnail the practices just quickly for us? I know, I mean, yeah. there's a whole book behind it, but what are, what are the practices? Yeah, the first one is multiplication thinking. Um, and that's kind of key. And basically, it's kind of like you got to start dreaming big. I, I can give you a quick story if we got Yeah, time. we got time. All right, so you know Neil Cole. Yeah. This goes way back. I, I'm, in a, I'm, in a, I'm in a, this goes way, way back. I'm in a conference or a workshop somewhere, and Neil Cole does this bit where he says, okay, take your dream, your current dream for your church. 
And so I saw so I'm thinking, okay, my dream for my church, I want my, listen to, the way, listen to the way I word this, it's so bad. I want my church to be a thousand people. Right, right. Okay, that's my dream. Okay, sorry, I apologize. That was, it was very much level three, just growing. My right. church. And then he says, I want you to take that dream and multiply it times a million. <laughs> now I want you to ask yourself, how are you going to do that? And so all of a sudden I'm going a thousand times a million, that's a billion, which is much more consistent with God's dream, quite frankly. Yeah, actually, if there's seven billion <laughs> people on the platform or on the planet, yeah. Right. And so so all of a sudden then I'm going, holy smokes, it hits me. I can't, I don't know how I could be so stupid. I, I can't do this on my own. Yeah. I can't do this through one church. I can't even do this through my tribe. This is gonna, this is gonna take lots of leaders and lots of collaboration and lots. And all of a sudden, what it did is it catapulted me into multiplication thinking. And that's that's the first thing. Because so I, I don't even stretch them as far in the book as, as Neil did. I just say take your dream and multiply it by a hundred and figure out how you're gonna do that. Yeah, yeah, hundred x thinking to even ten x thinking for some people is paradigm breaking. You know, church of a thousand. Church at 10,000, all your systems break and all your thinking breaks. Right, yep. that's exactly right. So that's, the first practice is, is, is multiplication thinking. The second practice is what we call permission giving. And in permission giving, that's where you start to see uh, the people that are sitting in your pews or sitting in, your, in the seats in your church differently. Instead of saying, God, work through my gifts, you begin to look at them and say, God, work through their gifts. And wow. we give people this, this real simple tool called an ICNU conversation, which... I love this. We call that the four most important letters of the alphabet, I, C, and you. you. So right? I, see and you, Dave, here's what I see in you. Exactly right. Wow. And everybody, it's something you can do this afternoon. The third one is disciple multiplier, which if I only got one practice, that would be the key one. And we give them a simple tool on that. So once you've said, I can't do it on my own, multiplication thinking, once you're saying, okay, I got to do it through other people and start giving them permission, then you have to start this disciple multiplying process, whether it's at a small group level individual level or a leadership resident. If you're, if you lead a church, you have a leadership resident who's like your apprentice, you're getting ready to, who will go out and start another church. Any level can do this. And we give them a simple practice for that. Then the fourth one is gift activation. And it's kind of, this is like the commissioning moment where they've gone through the whole thing and they've actually, we give them this thing. If, if a leader thinks they're ready and you think they're ready, then they're ready. Hmm. <laughs> so let's, let's not overcomplicate it. If both of you think they're ready, they're ready. And then we give them a simple way to commission people. And then the last one is called kingdom building. And kingdom building is, is, is a, we give them a really simple score card, a different way of keeping score instead of just, you know, butts and bucks or yeah. dollars and derriers or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, we, we, we give them a way to keep track of current apprentices and your cumulative number of apprentices you've ever had. And if you keep track of those two things, that's much more of a kingdom, kind of a kingdom building scorecard. But anyway, so the whole, there's five different, uh, five different practices that, that go all the way through the they're kind of epigenetic to use a big word. They build on each other yeah. that any, any leader can use. That's fascinating. And that'll be the theme of exponential. You and I are both speaking there along with many other people. When does the book come out, Dave? The book, will, the book will debut at the Exponential Conference, which is uh, the last of February, the first of March. Right. And um, But you can actually pre-order it right now on Amazon. So anybody wants to cool. uh, go ahead and get it, they can get it now. And we'll link to it in the show notes as well. So that'll cool. all be there, as well as the links to Exponential, which is uh, going to be fun. I'm really excited about being able to speak uh, there, which will be good. Okay, we talked about church multiplication. Let's talk about church planting, because okay. that's what New Thing does. What, what are some trends in church planting? How has that game changed in the last 10, 15, 20 years? And what do you see ahead? 
Uh, I mean, some of the stuff, we, we, one of the things that we did, we kind of already kind of alluded to is yeah. I do think we're seeing some of these local regional networks. Um, I mentioned the one in Atlanta, the one in Kansas City. Um, I think one of the things that's also happening different is through, through, through technology, the world is becoming a much smaller place. It really is. And I think because of that, it gives us an opportunity to even better experience the global body of Christ. Mm. And some of these, well, let me just speak for New Thing. One of the things that we've done with New Thing is we've kind of have a vision for nine different regions around the world. And this is not hopefully your typical American world domination strategy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What it is, though, and we got this from Pastor uh, Oscar Maru in uh, Nairobi Chapel. That the church globally, just like the church locally, is the body of Christ, and we need to be connected to each other. So, for example, I got to be in India last January. By being in India, Dr. Ajay Laws allowed me to sit across the table from about a dozen church planters who suffered the kind of persecution where they actually lost family members because of their faith, their faithfulness to Christ. And so when you're in the same room with somebody like that and you hear their stories, all of a sudden, I mean, you don't, you know— in the U.S. or Canada, we don't. You don't have see problems that. anymore. No, yeah. right. You don't see that kind of discipleship, and so I need to. I need to be connected to those folks. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And and, and so when I travel to Nairobi, where, where Pastor Oscar is, I mean, there, that is that is the center now of the of the global church in Africa, and so we need to be connected to those folks. And and actually, I was I was just up in Montreal, and 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 when I was having this conversation. I'd be curious what you think about this. And they said, well. What do you think the church in Canada has to offer the body, the global body of Christ? Hmm. And, I'd, and I'd heard enough people talk about this, and one of the one one person made this comment, and, I, and it kind of struck me as true. But I don't claim an expertise in this. But I think the Canadians seem to understand the peaceable kingdom. Hmm. What do you think about that? You know what? I was just having a conversation last week with Danielle Strickland about that, and she said a very similar thing. So she moved from the U.S., where she lived for 25 years, back to Toronto. She's an hour from my house now. We're going to get together next month, talk about the Canadian church, etc. But that's what she said. And I, th- I think that's very true. We have a, a different worldview, and that goes back 60 years, 70 years to Lester B. Pearson and global peacekeeping and the Suez crisis and and so on. You know, another thing I would say, Dave, too, and this is what I say to my American friends, because I spent a lot of time in your country, an awful lot of time in your country. Um, But I think we're the canary in the coal mine. Um, When you look at North America, so 100 years ago, miners used to have canaries in coal mines because they're hypersensitive to gases. So if the air got toxic in a coal mine, a human being wouldn't notice it. But if you look up at lunch and the canary's dead, get out of the mine. And so we're the canary in the coal mine because, you know, we had some cultural changes. For example, you know, same-sex marriage. That happened a decade earlier in Canada than it did in the U.S. before the Supreme Court ruling. Uh, Next year, 2018, weed gets legalized coast to coast. Um, You know, those are just cultural changes that are happening. And our culture has been profoundly secular for longer than the American culture is. So you'll find some of the millennial mindset in the U.S. present in baby boomers when it comes to spirituality. Like most people don't go to church. 90% of people don't go to church, 95% of people. But most of them would say they're spiritual and many would say they're even Christian because they're not allergic to Jesus. They're, but, you know, it's not a saving faith. So I think we have the ability to speak into, and I think that's one of the reasons that this podcast and, you know, more particularly in my writing, books and blogs, 
seem to resonate in the U.S. because it brings a slightly uh, different understanding. And, you know, people in Seattle, people in New England, people in California, they get it because they're more post-Christian than, say, Oklahoma or Alabama or even, uh, frankly, Virginia. Yeah. And, and I guess all that kind of comes back to the point is I think um, one of the things we're seeing in church planning is more of an international kind of connection and a recognition and hopefully some humility, perhaps on, on Americans particularly, to go like, wow, if we're going to figure this thing out, we're going to figure this thing out together. Mm. So like, our, like, I am so grateful for my relationship with Nairobi Chapel and Pastor Oscar. We, we have taken their leadership development uh, structure, and now we're using that. Ourselves, they have a three-track system, and we've kind of just mimicked the same three-track system, because awesome. they're doing a great job with that. And and everybody, and part of the reason that we platform so many leaders from the east at Exponential is because those are the those are the people that are actually seeing level four and level five kind of multiplication. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, I mean, there's only so many times you can hear from Ralph Moore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Ralph, God bless him, has done it. I mean, he's 2,300 plus churches, you know, and he's he is in the United States. Um, but um, there's just there's not very many people that we can kind of look to, and so we have to go there. And I I think um, there's more of a recognition at a micro and a and a macro level about that within 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 church planning, which is which is which is cool. Let's talk about Europe for a moment because we do have some European listeners, including some Norwegian listeners, etc. There's a guy I've been mentoring for a while over in uh, in Oslo, which is great, but. Um, you do quite a bit of work in Europe. What can Europe teach North America about church planting? Yeah, I just got back um, uh, Thursday, uh, just what was it, four, three, four days ago from uh, Manchester, uh, UK, where they had the, the launch conference. So this is their second year, and Exponential has um, um, partnered with them to help, help them do the best they can on their own in a, in a European context. And I'll tell you what, the it was electric. They yeah. had double. They had double the number of church planters they had last year. So it was like four hundred to five hundred folks that were there. So it was awesome. Um, and some of the same things that were here and here um, were here and there. I mean, guys who are starting their own networks and stuff. But I'd say maybe some things I think that that we can learn is um, there's there's a few different examples of how um, they're church planting back into abandoned or underutilized church facilities. Right. So like Holy Trinity Brompton, I mean, they're, they're getting this thing figured out, um, in, in London there. And Rick Thorpe was at, at the launch conference. We got a chance to talk and he's overseeing all their church planning. And so they are, they're these old, uh, kind of church buildings. They're moving back into those buildings, investing quite a bit of money in doing so. But with the idea that it's not going to just plant that one church, but it becomes almost like a cathedral <laughs> that then will plant lots of other, replant lots of other churches around there. Um, and I think, I think what they're experiencing, I, I talked to a guy from Canada, you could verify this uh, when I was in Montreal, he said that the number one hold, landholders, or landlords, kind of landholders, is that a term, mm. in, in Canada are first the government, but then second is churches. Yes. And, and, he, and, he, and, I, and, and, the, and he was just, this particular group, he told me that they did a survey with their churches, and um, um, I think there was like 3,300 churches within this particular group. They didn't even ask the question about facilities or any of that kind of stuff. But what came back from a, a, a third of them was that they were get, they were on the verge of, of either closing or making decisions about closing. They didn't even ask the question that's happening. And so I think what you experience in Europe, you probably next will experience in Canada. And then we'll come after that to the United States. 
And if that's the case, we need to pay close attention to our Canadian friends and our European friends. Okay, how do they use these great facilities? I was with Graham Singh, one of our yeah, buddies in Montreal. in Montreal. Yeah, he's been to our church, Connexus, great guy. And he moved back into an old facility, St. Jack's, right on the heart of Montreal. It's yeah. this awesome space in a great location. And the city is thrilled that he's there because he's got 10 other community groups meeting there. He's got four churches meeting there. Um, it, and it's, it's just bringing a vibrancy to what once was a vacant building. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that's one of the things we've really got to pay close attention to. I, I would love that. And here's something you can pray for, because I know 90% of the people who listen to this podcast are not Canadian. But in my experience, and I had a conversation a few months ago with literally, and I won't name the denomination, but literally the guy who controls all real estate transactions uh, in the city of Toronto for a major denomination. And I mean, we're probably at this point looking at a billion dollars of land valuation. Holy smokes. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Well, Toronto is an over hyper-priced market. And, uh, and I said to him, I said, uh, what are you going to do with these? Like, you're going to sell them to other churches or growing churches? And he said something really interesting that I think epitomizes the Canadian attitude. He says, you don't sell real estate, you buy it. Mm. And I thought, okay, but like a lot of these churches are sitting there decaying. And he was telling me about having to pour like literally over, oh, I don't want to exaggerate, but it was tens of millions. It may have been over a hundred million into this one large old established church just to keep it open. And, you know, we're finding because we're going around looking for buildings as we expand and try to help other churches as well, that most denominations just want to hold on to the land. It's that longevity, not legacy mindset. And in the U.S., you hear story after story of people flipping the keys, exactly the story that you opened up with, right? And that's just not happening in Canada. And so we just need people to pray that people's hearts changes because the worst thing that can happen is all these properties can be turned into condos or houses or worse, thrown into a denomination's pension fund, which is at the verge of collapsing. It's like, I thought we gave all that stuff up for the sake of the gospel, but I did. I walked away from my pension thing, but you know. So that's, that's, that's what's happening here. Um, but we are seeing pockets of life, and I'm hearing more stories of renewal from Europe uh, in the last few years than had been present for a long time. I, I'll definitely pray about that. Yeah. You know, you know I thought one, I'll throw one more thing at you I think is also happening that I see in Europe is um, I think some of, the, some of the churches are deciding that they're going to own the leadership development kind of process and deployment of church planners themselves. Two examples come to mind. I, my understanding, I'm, I probably need to fact check this, but my understanding is that very soon HTB, Holy Trinity Bromson, will actually be training and be responsible for ordaining uh, more Church of England priests, right? Priests? Yeah, priests. Than the rest of the denomination. Isn't that fascinating? And so if that happens, I mean, really, then, I mean, exciting renewal is possible. And it's yeah. not just that way, but if you, I don't, uh, when I'm in Norway, I've been to Norway several times and I got, uh, buddies at Emi Church, Emi Kirken in, in Stavanger, where Martin mm-hmm. Cave is, and, and Elling, um, and then also up in Bergen, Norway, where Oisin Yerme are. Between their two churches, my understanding is they are very close now to also training and equipping more more pastors than 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 the state church, the, the Lutheran church. Oh, I, I think that's very possible. And that that's a wonderful trend. I mean, seminaries have to reinvent themselves. I mean, everybody has to reinvent themselves. Exactly right. So, and I know, and so I hope that 
that becomes something that as churches in the States and maybe in Canada, we look to them and go like, okay, if this is our future, then let's get busy on how do we develop, how do we train, how do we deploy more pastors, more church leaders, and not just you know count on our denominations, our institutions. And better yet, if we still have some seminaries and denom- seminaries, which we do, that are vibrant, how do we partner with them before this thing you know tilts the other way? Yeah, this is fascinating talking about the future. Um, and I think it is nice to have a global culture, and it's very possible to be far more connected uh, than we were before. Um, as you look into the future, and you are a futurist, Dave, um, what do you see coming for the church over the next five to ten years? Um, what do you think some of the big trends are that we should be watching out for? I, I think, and again, I, yeah, on the strength finders, I am a futurist, but I'm also a positivity, so here it goes. <laughs> We're quite similar. <laughs> yes. Um, one, one of the things I, I, I think we're going to see a brand new scoreboard. Hmm. And here's, here's, here's the, one of the most encouraging things I have heard in, in several years. And I hope I don't get in trouble with my friends at Leadership Network. They're about, they're gonna, if they haven't already, they're going to be releasing some, some data. There's a whole bunch of data around this. But there's one data point that I'll just share with you and, and hope that my endorsement of them will give me some grace. Um, <laughs> They, they did some homework within growing churches, okay, so level three churches, growing churches um, with, uh, with pastors age 45 and under. Okay. So we'll call that younger-ish, younger-ish pastors sure. um, of growing churches. And they asked them about, about, about their vision for the future. 83% of them said that part of their vision for the future was starting new sites and planting churches. Wow. Now, if that is true, which I have no reason to doubt it, to me, that is some of the best news I've heard in a long time. Because what it does in our language that we've started to create, they're making decisions to be hero makers. I'm not going to have to be the hero myself, Hmm. right? I'm going to invest myself in other people who are going to start other churches and other sites and, and and advance the kingdom. And again, the reason I'm, maybe your listeners are going, why is this guy so obsessed with multiplication? Because multiplication is what gets to movement, and movement gets us to Acts 1-8 and how we accomplish the mission. Right, right. And so it's not really an, obs- it's not an obsession with multiplication, it's an obsession with the mission and how we're going to actually get accomplished. So let, let, me, let, me, let me just push on that for a second, and I want to come back to exactly where you were. But I think, I think one of the paradigms that a lot of us had in our mind, because we saw so many churches like North Point or Life Church or whatever, it's like the single communicator who's on 100 screens or a dozen screens or, or whatever— um, but what you're talking about is a little bit different. It's not multiplication of your message. It's the multiplication of the message, which when you think about it, is that scalable, much more scalable, because most of us aren't going to be on a thousand screens. Most of us no. are not going to have like 10 million downloads a month. You know, most of us, we're just not. But if we can build into a leader who builds into a leader who builds into a leader and you reproduce churches of 500, a thousand churches of 200, you know, et cetera, et cetera, anybody can have an impact. Yes. Yes. This, that, I think this is so, so, so important. Here's the, there's bad news and good news. Mm-hmm. The bad news for your listeners, they're not going to be Andy Stanley. Right. Right. They're not going to be Craig Rochelle. Yeah. Okay. The good news, the good news is you can be Ralph Moore. Right. So Ralph Moore, like Ralph, I love Ralph. We had Ralph speak at our exponential conference um, last year. I had him scheduled for East and West. And so I had him speak at our East stage and he he is a great guy, a brilliant leader developer. 
Right. He's not a brilliant, awesome, charismatic communicator. <laughs> right. Sure. In fact, in fact, and part of the problem at Exponential is you have like, you know, we have 5,500 people that show up in our Orlando deal. And so I actually, I called him in between. I said, hey, uh, you know, Ralph, um, about how it went out east, before we go west, I was thinking, what if we did an interview next yeah, time? What if I interviewed you, right? Yeah. And then he basically just calls me and says, you thought I sucked, didn't you? <laughs> but here's the reason I tell the story, okay? This guy's already helped plant 2,300 churches. You okay, think 2300, about that. 2,300, do the math, okay? If Let's just say there are 100 people, and most of them are, are, are even large. The average ones, in his case, are larger than that. They're like 125, 150. But let's say it's 100. That's 230,000 people. Yeah. Okay, I hate to break the news to everybody, but that is by far the largest church in North America. So if you, I mean, th- mm. this, is like, this is like such great news for the rest of us. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, who are slightly driven and really want to make a difference in our lifetime, this is how we can all do it. Right, right. We can all do it this way. And so to me, I, I don't know. And that's... And you talk about pushing other people in the spotlight, which I think is wonderful. And, and some of the n- leaders we've named. I mean, Andy does that and Craig does that. They're yeah. into developing leaders and the whole deal. It's just a unique thing with them. It's just God did something really unique and something amazing with their gifting that probably is not reproducible 10,000 times over. But you know what? Here's the thing, too, because I do. I love both those guys. And, and the thing is, if I could teach like Andy Stanley, I would be on every screen I possibly could. Or same with Craig Rochelle. Absolutely. And they ought to be because, oh, my goodness, they're just it's, they're it's brilliant. A, it's a great gift that they ought to share. It's so funny. So Sunday, this past Sunday, this is how yeah. true this is. So Sunday, um, I think it was after the second service. I had I had one quote in my whole sermon from, <laughs> from Andy Stanley. Right. And I have one guy come up to me afterwards and he said, hey, I used to go to North Point and we weren't thinking about coming here, but you quoted Andy Stanley, so I'm going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh. Really? Really? That's all you got for me? <laughs> uh-huh. But it's just true. It's just true, okay? And um, so they ought to do what they're doing. But here's a way that all of us can make a huge impact. It is. And you know what? You'll be surprised because when I was, we've talked about being young and ambitious and the whole deal. And when I was in my thirties, I kind of thought, you know, maybe it'll be a day where like a million people listen to my sermons. And at the end of the day, they get downloaded like a thousand, two thousand, maybe 5,000 times for the big ones. I never would have guessed that, you know, in my basement leading a podcast, oh, that's what God would get downloaded millions of times. Okay. I, I get it. You know, here we are in the 5 million download month and it's like, you know, but he has his own ways, and anybody anybody can do that. Anybody can interview people, you know, and and uh, so so it's just fascinating to me. And I think you're right because that is the opportunity for all of us uh, to have an impact in a way that might look different than the one size fits all that maybe dominated the headlines for years. Well, and in some ways, I mean, I see what I see what you're doing, Carrie as a hero maker. In fact, one of the ways I define hero making is this. I say hero maker is someone who creates the platform and then lets other people stand on it. Yeah. And you have this awesome platform and guess what? Every, every you do this weekly, right? Yeah, it's a weekly thing. So, so every so every week a new one comes out and guess what? You put someone else on the platform and you say, "Here, share your story, tell us what you know, that kind of thing." Absolutely. And my wife I mean, I've talked a lot today because we're feeding off each other, but my wife is pretty good. She'll let me know, hey, you talk too much. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll just shut up. So my my goal is to speak no more than 5 to 10% of the interview. 
but uh, kind of blew that today. You got me all excited. So I'm, uh, I'm enjoying it. This is fun. Yeah. All right. So other trends that you can see in the next five to 10 years, Dave? Um, I think, I mean, some of the things we talked about, I do think there's going to be a brand new scoreboard because I think, I think we've, I think we've shifted what leaders now view as success. If that 83% number is true, I think that's, that's going to happen. I think you're going to see more and more churches that are doing both multi-site and church planning. Mm-hmm. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to drop this goofy dichotomy. We only do one or the other. They're going to go like, hold it. They both advance the mission. How do we do both? How do we train leaders to do both? I think that's, I think, I think that's going to happen. Uh, something we already touched on. I think there's going to be the emergence of lots of different networks. It's not going to yeah. be just ARC and New Thing and you know Acts 29. Um, there's going to be a lot. Some some will be regional. Some will be niche. There's going to, they're going to be a lot of different kinds. One other thing I think I think someone's going to figure this out too. I think someone's going to figure out this micro church thing um, <clears throat> because I mean we have some examples of it, but we don't really have any great examples right now of a micro church that's rapidly multiplying. Yeah. So, wh- how do you do? Because you know, there's house church, micro church. What do you What do you mean by that? Well, I think all of us recognize in the church planning world, particularly in the, in the North American context, that the way most of us do it, whether it's going into existing facilities and planting a church, that and then it costs a ton of money, or a launch large stretch, if we're dropping you know a lot of money in it, that is not a movemental kind of form. Yeah. And I think all of us know, especially because smaller world, we look at India. You know, you look at a Jossie Chaco, you look at a Dr. Ajay Law, you look at a Sam Stevens in who through the India Gospel League, they've planted like 90,000 churches now. You know, you know, they're not dropping a quarter million dollars on each of those. Absolutely. <laughs> so we're so so we so we know that there's got to be a more economical, viable way to get to movement. And um, one of the things I'm, a, I'm also on the board at Leadership Network. And one of the things that Leadership Network always asks when they pull people together is they ask what's trying to happen. Oh, that's a but great question. What's trying a, to happen? And I think that's one of the things that's trying to happen. Um, one of my buddies who's now a part of New Thing and also at Westside Family in Kansas City, Rob Wegner. You know Rob? No, I don't. Oh, brilliant practitioner and thought leader. Um, he's, he's doing some things there. Even though he's, in, he's on staff at a large church and part of New Thing in his neighborhood, he's using our blessed practices Okay. He's using our blessed practices as kind of the missional practices, but they've now started reproducing something. And he has an apostolic gifting. I'm keeping a close eye on what he's doing because I think what he's doing is something that's trying to happen, and mm. and and we need to happen. Then we need we need it to be on the you know we need to be on Carrie's podcast so other people can hear about it. Then we need to write some books about it so other people can learn about it. But we need a few examples. I think that's that's one of the things that's trying to happen. And someone's gonna somebody's gonna crack the code on that one. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because the house church thing of the 90s and the early 2000s, I mean, for the most part, and I'm I'm sure, you know, you can get some angry mail if I say this the wrong way, but it was mostly disgruntled Christians uh, meeting about what they're against. Well, I don't like that church and your church isn't good enough, so we're just going to meet here and, you know, we'll do our own Bible study or listen online or whatever. But increasingly, you're seeing gatherings of people, and we've had collections of them even at Connexus Church, where I am, and I'm sure you have, where you don't have locations, but... Just people who will gather 10, 20, 30, 40 people together uh, to watch or to listen, or you have a high concentration. And it's not really viable enough as a site, but but those things are popping up for many, many churches, well-known yes. and not well-known, all over the place. Because as, as long as you got a podcast or something online that's somewhat viable or a Facebook live feed, you're you're going to be developing that. And you can see those really becoming expressions of churches in the future. 
Oh yeah, I mean, content's not a problem. We have yeah. more content than I mean. And we know so what to do a, with it, right? Yeah. So that's not a problem. So it's it's about now. How do we coalesce relationships that actually live out this content that challenges us to be disciples of Jesus? Well, this has been a drink from the uh, like fire hose today in the best way: leadership, vision, multiplication, expansion. I mean, I I just love it. Um, anything else you want to share with us, Dave, before we wrap up today? Um, there, there's a few, a uh, few resources I might point you towards. Um, Let's do it. Yeah. And we'll link I, to all of them in the show notes. So if I don't do this, Todd Wilson will kill me. <laughs> <laughs> so let's make sure we get this. Well, that would be interesting, out. you know, but uh, go ahead. <laughs> there's a few things that are happening through, through, through exponential. Um, if like, if they want to get a, uh, sneak peek at a couple of chapter free chapters, they can get yeah. that at the, on the exponential site, okay. um, exponential.org. We're also doing, uh, before, between now and when we do the conference, at the end of February, we're also going to do a couple, there's several free webinars just on Hero Maker. Oh, great. And they can, and they can also find that at exponential.org. Um, and we, gotta, man, we have so many free resources there. For any, yeah, you any of your leaders who have not been there, they really ought to go check it out. I mean, lots of free ebooks, tons of podcast interviews, um, things that we recorded. Uh, through workshops, that kind of stuff. And you moved the conference this year too. I mean, one of the reasons I could never go to Exponential before was because it would run at the same time as Rethink Leadership, Orange Conference, etc. Uh, but Exponential East is now in February. And then when's the West Coast event? Uh, the last day is it's the last day of February. You know what? We just released those dates, so I don't have them off the top of my head. But we have five. There's five different. Well, actually, we have five different regionals now. So we got one in Chicago, one in D.C., one in Houston, one in the Bay Area, and then also Southern California. Yeah. So, and those will be in the fall. Um, yep. um After we do yep. the one in Orlando. Gotcha. And I guess anybody anybody wants to get anything about um, that I'm doing too. I mean, my my website's DaveFerguson.org. And everything links off there. Links to uh, Community Christian, to the New Thing Network, et cetera, yep. et cetera. All okay. That. We will have everything in the show notes, guys. Okay, cool. Well, great. Dave, this is fantastic. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Totally you. enjoyed it. So thanks for having me. Whoa, that's brain stretching, isn't it? I mean, Dave, Dave's just got so many good ideas about the future of the church, and I think he's right. I mean, I see those things, and don't you love just talking to somebody who kind of you know, encapsulates what you think you see, but he's got language for it. Yeah. And, and that's awesome. So everything is in the show notes. You can go to kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 169. And I know that's hard to spell. So you can also go to leadlikeneverbefore.com, uh, click on blog and just check out episode 169. You'll find it there. And all the links to everything Dave and I talked about are in there as well as, uh, I'm not sure whether we're going to do a screenshot or the full video, but you know, his diary thing, we'll have that in there as well. And details on where I am on social so you can win free Starbucks every day for a week and the grand prize details to the direct link to Facebook, which is just facebook.com slash cnewhoff. Head on over there, uh, leave a comment to win under the video that is pinned at the top of that page. Watch the video. I'll give you specific instructions. It's just two minutes and uh, man, I hope you win. Man, an extra large big green egg, that is just fun. I've had mine for two and a half years and I promise you it is pure joy because there is nothing better than great barbecue if you're hungry. And uh, I love mine. I hope you love yours if you indeed are the grand prize winner. So 5 million downloads, like we're not done yet. No, we're just getting started. So how about we come back next week with a 
fresh episode. In fact, uh, I've got somebody I'm really excited about um, sharing with you. Her name's Esther Federikevich. She's actually my agent, and she is brilliant. Just a young leader uh, who's going to talk to you about the publishing industry. It's fascinating from a leadership perspective on how things are changing. But she also shares how just about anybody can get published these days and does something really cool at the end of the interview. Well, here, here's an excerpt. And he said, uh, I'm going to totally quote him wrong, right? But it, he said, if you do important things, you'll meet important people who are doing important things. Mm-hmm. And I was just, and anything that's not about you is important, right? And so one of the things I loved about them, like, if you want to be an influencer, you have to do important things first. And so I really took that job as this is important. I'm giving them something or telling them about something that they have not heard about yet. Yeah. And I know it works. And there's all these testimonies of life's change. And so I really believe that. So that opened up doors for me to meet more important people. So that's next week on this podcast. We're back with episode 170. And thanks for making this such a great journey. Five million downloads. Man, that's crazy that we're hitting it this month. And you're going to be the beneficiary. Make sure you enter the contest. We're back next Tuesday. And by that time, the contest will be over. So make sure you act now. And uh, have a great week, man. I really do hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.